Thank you for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating and review, and better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. You can also take the HR Like a Boss survey at willery.com forward slash HRLAB. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals. These conversations create the foundation for my book on what it takes to do HR Like a Boss. On today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Laura Mazzullo. Laura is the owner of Eastside Staffing, and she also happens to be a Wisconsin Badger alum. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here and go Badgers for any Wisconsinites on the, on the call today. Yes, fantastic. Good for you. It's such a, I know we were talking about that earlier in the beginning. So for those that don't know you, maybe you could tell a little bit about your journey uh, through your career and what you're currently working on. Yeah, I've been recruiting for 17 years, but specifically for the HR community since 2007. And I started my own business in 2013 called Eastside Staffing. So it's a boutique search firm focused solely on HR recruiting. And in the pandemic, obviously, I was trying to be creative and innovative, thinking about what, you know, HR leaders really needed from me. And so I've been doing more coaching and consulting as well. I'm finding that in situations where companies don't necessarily need a headhunter just to fill a job, they're also needing some support in upskilling their talent acquisition teams. Same with HR job seekers. So there's been kind of a fun additional service that I've been doing the last year and a half now just around kind of helping to develop some more skills instead of just filling the jobs for them. Good for you. Way to be adaptable. And uh, certainly I I can imagine, uh, I I know for us in our business with the pandemic, there was a a unique challenge around clients having funds to uh, hire uh, through a search firm at the same time that there was a pause, right? Like, what are we doing? What's happening? But HR was so impacted uh, by the pandemic and continues to be. So way to be adaptable. I think that's one of the keys to success and entrepreneurship for anyone listening out there. Uh, what you originally had set forth in your mind may not necessarily be what you're doing one, two, five, ten years later. So that's a great congrats. point. Yep. And really listening to what your clients need, what your partners are really, what their pain points are. And they're always evolving. Yeah, totally. I'm a big believer in uh, the market is always right. And uh, an individual that guesses, tries to outguess that market is always wrong. So I love staying, that. In, staying in front of that market and uh, let, listening to it keenly is terribly important. So yeah. Well, hey, Laura, thanks for letting us know a little bit about you and your business and uh, make sure to uh, find Laura on LinkedIn and Twitter. I know she's pretty active on those social media links, especially if you're, you're looking for an opportunity on the, on the East Coast as it relates to HR or uh, looking for some coaching. So appreciate that insight. I also wanted to kind of start off the show uh, with my very first kind of standard question in season one is asking my guests, how would they describe the purpose of human resources? What would your answer be to that, Laura? Yeah, I think HR is compiled, you know, it's composed of the people who solve business challenges through people and culture. So everybody, I believe everybody in a business is solving a business challenge, right? The CFO is solving a financial challenge or it's solving a challenge through finance, right? A general counsel is solving a problem through law. I think an HR problem is, HR person is solving a problem through people and culture. So they're looking at everything through that lens but ideally they're coming up with innovative and creative ways to solve those challenges. So, so specifically to that around the people, which I know you, you, you recruit for recruiters, right? You recruit in HR, so you, you, you support that. And I, I certainly understand that. So what challenges do you think HR faces around 
advancing people and, and supporting a culture uh, when it comes to achieving that, that purpose, right? So what, what do you think they run into that gets in their way? Yeah, I think the one thing we don't talk enough about is actually money. I think that there are not enough resources in HR or invested in HR. So a lot of leaders are having HR teams run so lean, especially right now. And I'm just hearing from so many HR and talent pros that are facing burnout because their teams are understaffed. They don't have training resources. They don't have even the technology they need to be successful. And it's sort of a bummer to me that I think there's an issue of HR still being seen as a cost center, not necessarily a place to invest money. And I feel like we just need to kind of address that and stop dancing around it. And I think if there was enough money and resources put into an HR department, we'd see a pretty quick evolution where suddenly they can be upskilled, they can have the technology they need, they can have the staff they need to really run it as the strategic business partner they wanna be. I just, I've realized more and more they can't be as strategic as they want if they don't have the right level of funding. Yeah, so getting them the appropriate resources certainly is, is a barrier. So I'm curious, cause I, I've had this discussion before, a lot of the things in HR, or at least what is perceived by the human resource profession is not quantifiable. You, you, yeah. can't, you can't put a number on it, uh, like a great culture, uh, which again, it, you can align that to how easy is it for you to attract talent? How easy is it for you to keep people within the organization? Are there suggestions you might have on ways for companies that are under-resourced to be able to align back to that people and culture purpose as opposed to going to the CFO and saying, I need an extra million bucks to uh, really advance this company to where we need it to go. Yeah, I love this question. And I think it's so complex, John, because I think that like the barrier that HR pros face with this discussion is starts often from within. It's like a self-worth issue, which I know is another icky thing to talk about, but we have to talk about it. They don't always feel worthy of the money. They don't always feel worthy of that resource or support. So I hear a lot of well, I'm not as important as the general counsel or my role isn't really as difficult as the CFO. And I know people listening to this might be rolling their eyes saying, I can't believe she hears that. There's no way she hears that. But I do, I hear it all the time. And I think it's subtle. Sometimes I think it's subconscious because for years they've heard it from the outside that they don't have the same level of worth or value in an organization. But as, as a child who'd be bullied, let's say, sometimes you internalize what you hear. And I worry there's kind of an issue with just their own confidence. So I've been working with a lot of HR pros recently on that. First and foremost, you can't ask for money and resources if you're coming from a place of total insecurity, right? So it's a big one to overcome. Yeah, I know I've been actually researching and reading on this quite a bit. I know I'm a big fan of Brene Brown, which I guess a lot of people are as well, a courageous leadership and ha having that courage. I think you, what you're talking about is, is having the courage to say, I believe in what I'm doing. I believe in my purpose. I love what I do, which are again, foundations for the book. So I'm going to go to my CFO and feel like what I'm doing in HR is as important, if not more than any other function within That's the company. Exactly right. You have that mindset as opposed to a kind of a passenger in the back of the back of the plane that's you're just along for the ride, which I feel like to your point, that self-worth goes a tremendously long way for those that have then that confidence and belief. And I think one of the points we talked about kind of in preparing for today, I know Laura, you and I doing recruiting for the HR function is just the impact that HR can have on bringing in great talent and keeping it. So in my opinion, that self-worth can really be based upon 
their experience of bringing in great people and see the impact we had by bringing on Joe, Sally, or Jim into the company and the impact he or she had. So I'm just curious as, as, as you look at that, like what are things that companies can do, HR can do as far as making that impact through talent acquisition and employee development? Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I love Brene Brown. You'll, you'll see me quoting her a lot in various sources, but she often talks about hustling for worthiness, right? That we shouldn't have to hustle for it. And so I remind HR leaders of this all the time, like the people pleasing we do, the order taking we do, some of those transactional things we talk about where they feel that they have to say yes to everything the CEO says, they're afraid to push back. That all stems from that hustling that we need to kind of get rid of that mentality that, you know, you're... I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm going to, your seat at the table is there for you to take. And so what you have to do with that seat is actually just speak proudly of your accomplishments. So you're absolutely right. I mean, I recruit HR professionals. It's very hard to quantify the return on your investment. So for example, you and I both know this, our peers who recruit salespeople, they can often say to their hiring manager, sure, you're gonna pay me X to find that salesperson, but that salesperson is gonna bring an XYZ dollars to the organization in the next 12 months. And then the CFO is like, oh, okay, that makes me feel more comfortable. I'm spending money, but I'm gonna get XYZ money on the back end, right? But in HR, it's like kind of seen as well, I don't get it. You're gonna place this person and then I'm spending this money and what's that person gonna do in my organization? Like they can't see it. If they're numbers data people, it's really hard. And so to your point, I think it's also bringing back the emotional intelligence and bringing in some of those soft skills, right? For, for better word, the idea that some of it's gonna be culture. Some of it's gonna be the joy in the office, the engagement in the office. Are people really thrilled to work here? If we do stay interviews, are people expressing why they stay here and why they're happy here? Those are all things that your talent acquisition team had a huge part in. Um, so I know it is hard to, it's hard to explain it with data. I mean, I'm always giving data to managers that are really qu like quantitative or excuse me, qualitative, not quantitative. I mean, I can give some quantitative stuff. I met 15 people, we found these five resumes, right? But that's not really the storytelling that they like. It's more, these candidates are thrilled with the experience we've provided them. They've referred friends to us. They're excited to come here. People are really disappointed when I reject them. This is a role they really wanted. Like those are the stories that people get pumped about of, okay, we're creating a culture to attract the right talent. But you're right, it's complicated, right? Because it's not so black and white. It's not like just selling widgets and seeing a direct result. Yeah, Laura, it's, it's, it's interesting you share that because uh, one of the key components in the book is the characteristics to do HR like a boss. And I, I'm up to almost 20, right? I'm I trying to come it. up with 20. And, it, and it's, 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 it's no joke. Like it's one of those things where it takes a special person to do this well and to attract your best talent into HR so that that, that can spr sprinkle itself throughout the rest of the organization, Yeah, I think is a, is a really, uh, it's a miss because you, a CFO, a CEO, that's maybe really heavily money or, or, or profit driven, won't put as much of a value on culture. But I, I do see it shifting, Brene Brown's uh, helping, Simon Sinek's helping, like there's a, there's a real push from a, a cultural feel. And I can tell you, having worked within a, a few companies in my personal life and, and professionally, and then also working with thousands of clients, like when you have a good culture, it's, it, it's, it, it permeates everywhere. When you have a bad yeah. culture, it permeates everywhere yeah. uh, on the opposite end. So I, th I think there's, to me, if you don't know the number, if you can't 
quantify it yourself. You got to find a way to do it. Even if you're somewhat sort of making it up and I don't want to make it up like it's not like real and no one will believe you, but here's the data, here's the science, here's the impact of good culture. I mean, good culture, um, they, 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 they've proven that companies that have good culture perform better on, on, on Wall Street, right? It's yeah. just it's a proven fact. So Sometimes the data you can show too is the downside of leaving a role open. So you and I are probably both seeing this, like some people have their HR leadership roles open three or four months. They've met 15 candidates. They've rejected 30 people in the process. Like it's a, it's a drawn out journey. That's an easy point as a talent acquisition expert to express to them the downside of that, like what the harm that's doing. Sometimes that's, I don't want to say through the negative lens, but through the lens of like, if we continue down this path, these, this is like how we're continuing to harm our employer brand and harm our candidate experience. Sometimes that gets the wheels thinking differently too. Yeah. And who's monitoring that while you have a vacancy for three or four months? That who's monitoring your culture? Who's really yeah. caring about that as much as your HR leadership should yeah. or the team that works uh, within that group? So well, here, here's one of my favorite questions on the show, because it, it takes you back, maybe back to your Wisconsin Badger days uh, and, and went right before you started your career. So if you could give yourself some advice, Laura, knowing what you know now, uh, back to when you started your career, what would that be? Yeah, I'd remember that, you know, the client isn't always right, that you're the expert, that hiring and recruiting are skills and like any skill, you know, there it's, it's like, if we use a sports analogy, if you're trained and you're, if you've worked in it for many years, you're the one to ask about it. And I think when I was younger in this space, I probably didn't push back hard enough on managers when I saw areas for improvement. So I would see issues that I knew I could help them fix was probably too afraid to say it. And I think that that's, something now I would say to any person more junior in recruiting or HR, like, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg always said, speak your truth, even if your voice shakes, like, that's kind of what I would tell my younger self, like, you've got to tell them where they're going wrong, you've got to tell them where they're getting in their own way. And it's a little uncomfortable, and it doesn't always get easier, but it's really where the power and the magic happens to make change. Yeah, and that speaks to your earlier point about that self-worth. My guess is back then you lacked confidence in standing up to a hiring manager who was more experienced, got paid right. more than you, had been with the company longer, and you're this junior recruiter. And like, well, what, what is he or she going to think if I say you're dead wrong by hiring on these, these skills right. and we've got a great fit here? So good for you. It's awesome. Glad, glad to see that, that that's developing. For those younger listeners, Thanks right? Time. Believe in yourself. Believe in you. Um, yeah, like you said, uh, take, take your shot. You only get it. You only get a chance at it once. So, right. Takes All right, time. Laura, and I, I would say that it sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that's a practice. It's not always like, you don't just find your confidence and never have to work on it again. There will always be difficult hiring managers that challenge you. And it's, it's part of navigating being an expert. Yeah, it's definitely an iterative lifelong journey. That's for sure. So, well, I really appreciate you being on the show. I'm going to get you out of here on this. Uh, my, the book is HR Like a Boss. The podcast is HR Like a Boss. So how would you describe someone that does HR Like a Boss? They are active listeners. They challenge their limiting beliefs. They overcome assumptions and insecurities. They set boundaries. They stand in their self-worth. They can disagree comfortably with leaders and they can be the expert without shame or guilt or feeling any less worthy than anybody else on that executive team. Hmm. 
I see a theme here, Laura. That's that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I, I really do appreciate you being on the show today. You mentioned a few things that I'll just highlight for those that are listening. So people are solving business challenges and HR's responsibility is to make sure you have the right people solving the right challenges. An opportunity, we talked about this quite a bit, is examining your self-worth and, and making sure to really dive into that emotion and, and uncover why you're feeling the way that you feel. Uh, the seat at the table for HR is there for you to take and the, the hiring and development uh, within an organization is a skill. So your HR professionals, your recruiters have to be savvy at that in order to make the right impact. And the last thing you said that I wrote down that made an impact on me was challenging your limiting beliefs, right? Make sure that again, back to your self-worth that you have your own personal confidence. So really appreciate you being on the show. I, I, uh, I, I really enjoyed getting to know you better. Me too. Thanks everyone. I'm sure we'll continue these conversations over the year. You got it. Well, thanks for checking out today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. Please like, comment, subscribe, and share with a friend. And until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.